Folks, I am proud to be reading to you the first ad read of Cold Weather Bats. And it's brought to you by Great Lakes Bat Co. I am a huge fan of Great Lakes Bat Co. Uh, for, for many reasons. First and foremost, quality products, quality people with phenomenal customer service and support. I'm looking forward to my first brand new catching glove since I played coming in this week. Customized, and they said the, the expectation for delivery would hopefully be March 1st, and it is coming in on the second to third week of February. Just phenomenal feedback there in my first experience. We've also got some fungo bats coming in, all customized maple fungo bats coming in, and these guys have so many products. It starts with bats, it ends with uniforms, wood bats, uh, fan wear, gloves, batting gloves, bat fitting. They are constantly, constantly growing and evolving. And I will tell you this, I would 100% recommend Great Lakes Bat Co. You can find them online on greatlakesbatco.com. Welcome into another episode of Cold Weather Bats. This week we are joined by Billy Mitchell of Rudyard High School up in the Upper Peninsula, providing some perspective on baseball in the north. And we also get some junior college perspective in great proportions uh, from Britt Smith, former head coach at Howard College and now a perfect game uh, tournament staff member. Brian, also a perfect game member. How the heck are you, brother? I'm good, man. It's been hella cold, though. Like It has been extremely cold. Like, we've been talking, like, you know, optimistically leading towards the spring. Like, oh, man, all right, one more week down, like, we're getting there. Oh, man, it's February now. Like, bro, I am. it's cold now. It's, like, cold, cold. And it just, uh, you know how, like, they say season, you know, like, seasonal depression's a real thing? Like, for me, it's, like, temperature depression. Like, I can hang in the 20s. Like, it's fine. You know, it's 20s, it's cold, I get it. I lived in Michigan my whole life. I understand it. But, like, when it's six. You know, it's just, man, it just bums me out. It kills my whole day. Yeah, people think, if there's anybody listening that's not from Michigan or doesn't live in Michigan, which is probably uh, not entirely likely, but people think if you grew up if you grew up in Michigan that you're just completely used to five-degree weather. And for Billy Mitchell, that may be true. However, <laughs> for for you and I and us, us Southeast folk, this weather stinks. I cannot stand single digits or anything under 20. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to wake up every day and, um, you know, just not do anything and be mad about it. Like we're still, we're still doing the thing. Uh, but the cold is the cold is the worst. I hate the cold. It's probably, if I had to pick out anything I dislike more than the cold, it might be bananas. That's a nice random fact about me. I hate bananas. Uh, however, the only thing that I hate as much as bananas is the weather. Uh, when it gets this cold, it is like brittle. You feel like you're going to crack. If I pick up a baseball bat or if I use a fungo for as long as five minutes, my hands are completely cracked. And it's just the it, it's it's the worst time to be alive of the year. Every year. It's always bad right around here. Yeah. I mean, like I, I we're, we're definitely in a optimistic state of mind here as we start episode eight of cold weather bats. Um, but yeah, man, like I think we're this is going to be cool. This is going to be a good episode. The first time we've kind of like uh, um, done it for the sole purpose of an informative deal, you know, like having Britt on and, and we have a great long conversation with him that we can't wait for you to hear. And, and then Billy was a fantastic conversation too, just as we expected him to be um, giving us the UP dope as far as what it's like 
playing baseball up there, uh, living that life every day while we sit down here and complain about Metro Detroit weather. Um, you know, those dudes got to plow off their fields and stuff like in April, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, what do you, uh, let's see, what do you, what are you working on? Like, what's the bit, what's big stuff this week? Like, what are you excited about this week? Oh, geez. Um, well, there's some news coming out this week. I don't think it's going to be out by the time this episode airs. So I'll let that, I'll let that go on its own. Uh, not going to break the news on cold weather bats. I'd love to, but they want, they, they want to put it out there on <laughs> Wednesday or Thursday. And in fact, while we were recording, I, <clears throat> I had texted, them and asked if it was if it was going to go out today uh but but didn't get that permission maybe i'll send a text in between segments just to try and you know push that so stay on board it's a little bit of a cliffhanger for you uh but besides that (laughs) (laughs) besides that uh lakeside where i i'm the director at lakeside and if anyone doesn't really like understand what i do there because i don't think we've talked a whole lot about it i basically run everything at an indoor facility and for all of those in baseball listening an indoor facility in the winter is sorts of like Metallica in the eighties, uh, in that it never stops ever overrated. Oh, yeah. I don't even sorry. like Metallica. You know me way too well. <laughs> you, you know me way too well to not know that. I'm just trying to relate with all of those listening. Our demographics don't seem to be camped in my age group. So I'm just going to sit here and pretend I like IPAs and watching Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek is good. That seems to be, that's it. Like you say, that seems to be the dope, but I just, I haven't yet got on that on that wave yet, but perhaps soon. I just it is. I have noticed that liking Shit's Creek is a very millennial thing. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It, it's starting to hit the older age groups though, pretty hard. Yeah, well, don't don't use millennial and older in your mouth at the same time, please. I yeah, think one is sep- I think one's separate from the other. I think by older <laughs> I meant what's the generation uh, before or after millennial? No, before before millennial. What would that be? Gen X. Gen X. So it's becoming yeah. more of a gen. I've, I've heard from my gen X colleagues that they seem to be enjoying Chits Creek. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I haven't gotten on that wavelength yet. You asked me what my favorite show is probably met your mother. It's never even going to come close to that. And that's probably a show that would be probably pretty welcomed by that generation as well. In my opinion, it's, it's not like, were you like in, weren't you like in elementary school when that came out? I was in high school. Thank you. Uh, when it no, debuted, sure. yes, I was in elementary school when it <laughs> debuted. Absolutely. Uh, specifically fourth grade. Um, and I was a senior when it finaled, which was an incredible feeling. It was like Harry Potter for me, which is also probably going to make a lot of people at home feel young because I grew up the same age as Harry Potter. When it came out, I was the same age as Harry. And I was like, whoa, could I be a wizard? Let's find out. And for the next eight years... <laughs> I followed that along and, uh, that finale when I think I was, I don't know, maybe like a sophomore junior in high school. So, you know, back when movies were a thing, you don't see a lot of those these days in 2021 slash 2020, unfortunately, but, but yeah, in, in, in summer, yes, I'm young, Brian. Thank you. Anyways, I think we're going to take the, uh, take the episode into the interviews, which are much more, um, chock full of baseball information than you and I just cross talk bullshit or what part in the French folks. Uh, but it's our podcast. So anyways, let's, uh, <laughs> let's bring in Billy Mitchell to the show. We're going to take you to his interview now. Episode eight, cold weather bats. We're excited to be joined by our coldest weather bats guest to date. Uh, that's Billy Mitchell, head baseball coach at Rudyard High School up in the upper peninsula, Michigan's hidden gem. 
uh, as some might say, as well as the former American Legion coach of the Eastern UP Travelers, if I got that right. Coach Mitchell, thanks for coming on the show with us, man. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on. I've uh, been listening to all the episodes. It's a good thing you guys got going, so uh, pleasure to be on. And we really appreciate that, man. You've been uh, you've been telling us right from the get-go um, that you've enjoyed it and been listening, and, and obviously we appreciate that greatly. But uh, we want to we want to jump into you, man. If you could kind of just give us your origin story, uh, I think we I think the listeners would like to hear that. We like that sort of content, so please, by all means. I, I uh, was born and raised in the Sioux, and I graduated from Sioux High in 1998. And I was kind of like you, where I knew right away um, college baseball wasn't in my plan, but I um, I had a passion for baseball. It came from my grandpa, and always knew I wanted to go into coaching. And as soon as I graduated, uh, I started coaching uh, the UP Travelers as an assistant coach in 1999. And uh, Greg Rambo was the head coach at the time. And it was kind of him and I for years and years and, uh, and started in 99. And then in 2009, Greg actually took the Sioux High baseball job, high school job. So I took over as head coach at that time of the Travelers. And um and I continued on with the Travelers until 2018. Uh, we had some pretty successful teams through there, some uh, pretty good players come through. Uh, in 2010, we actually, it was the first ever American Legion Class A uh, state tournament. We held it in the Sioux, and we actually won the first ever Class A state tournament. So that was kind of a cool thing for a UP team to be able to do that. Um, you know, in those years, we had a lot of great players. Uh, Billy Anderson went down and played at Central. Uh, he's a freshman All-American. Uh, right now we have Derek Eddington, who's a six-eight, big, long, lanky pitcher pitching at at uh, Davenport right now. Um, we have some other guys that are playing at some other colleges too. So um, pretty cool to have the EUP guys still out there, and I'm still in contact with them. But along the line, uh, last couple of years in the Travelers, I actually uh, was the JV coach here in Red Yard, and um, I'd always looked at the Red Yard program as you know, program that I always, if I was going to go back into college baseball, it was going to be with Red Yard. And the opportunity came for me to be a, a JV coach there. And um, I ended up coaching a couple of years and I ended up taking a job here in Red Yard too. And, uh, you know, everything's just worked out and it got to the point in 2018 where I really want to spend more time with my family, more time with my son. Um, so I, uh, stepped down from the traveler's job to spend more time with my family, uh, which was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. I mean, spent 19 summers of my life, um, blood, sweat, and tears into that program, you know, taking kids that weren't mine all over the state. You know, we were down to Gabby Mills every summer. Uh, we were down in Adrian for state tournaments, you know, and I'm all over without my family. And I, you know, after got my 200 career win in that, 2018 season and finally just decided you know what it's time to spend more time with my family and Mm -hmm. coach my son and uh so i started doing that and then the uh head coach that was here um he's a business local business owner and uh so he ended up selling his business to somebody else and uh, really didn't have time to put in the program that he thought he could should put in and i stepped down and i ended up taking over the red yard job. So it's kind of my background, how I got to where I am right now. Coach, you've seen the products 
across the entire state, which hardly anybody can really say. Um, what and if any, is there is there a contrast between how baseball is played in the UP uh, compared to how baseball might be played closer to Detroit or just in Michigan in general? Or are you know is it more gritty? Uh, what, what kind of play style? If, if and is there a contrast, if at all? Uh, yeah, there's a big contrast. I mean, uh, up here in the UP, it, it's survivors. I mean, gritty, gritty players and hardworking kids. I mean, uh, one of my, one of my players right now, one of my catchers, uh, his job in the summer is splitting firewood. He split like a hundred quarters of firewood all summer. So, I mean, the strength and, um, just the, the th- they have to be three sport athletes too up here, you know, with the smaller communities. But, um, as far as the playing style, I, I think it's more aggressive from UP teams. I think, um, small ball is a big part of UP, uh, stealing bases, hitting run, hit and run, uh, things like that, where, you know, you go downstate and you can, and our kids, you know, every, the new guys, when we would go down in the summer and play in the Gabby Mills tournament, their eyes would open, you know, when you're facing a kid that's a, a D one commit to central or, uh, Michigan state or something like that. And, uh, actually, uh, Erla Mason Erla, we faced him mm-hmm. in the Gabby Mills a couple of years ago and he's throwing 90 some miles an hour. We don't see that up here. So, you know, we have to get creative and bunt and hit and run and stuff where, you know, down there, people, you got guys that mash, you know, all the time, see the 90 and, and they're used to it where we're not. Coach, uh, to a, a little bit of a larger point, obviously the weather in the upper peninsula, while similar to some parts of the state is wholly different from those, you know, us here in Metro Detroit. So like, aside from just it snows more or it's colder, like what are the realities So you guys start in mid-March in a normal year too? Like, are you able to get outdoors and play? Uh, we start out mid-March, you know, we, we try to, all of our guys, actually all the guys on my team right now are all three sport athletes. They all play a sport in the fall. They're all playing a sport right now. So we kind of have to wait to start doing our team practices until basketball is done. Cause that's where the majority of them play. So March 15th is our start date right now, this spring. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a full team March 15th because the basketball districts are pushed back into, I think it's a week later or something. So, uh, but we'll start, we start inside and we just really <clears throat> emphasize fundamentals. Um, you know, just get in the cage and try to get the kids into situations where, they're having to battle in the cage to to get to the point where they're ready to go out and be on a field and play games. Um, you know, majority of our season is spent downstate. Uh, we've played in tournaments. Um, you know, the varsity has played in tournaments um, down in Flint. I mean, mm-hmm. my philosophy in the summer, uh, my philosophy here in Red Yard right now is I want to play the best teams on the best field. And if that takes me uh, having to get a bunch of parents to drive kids, down to Flint or Detroit or Adrian or wherever we have to go to play the best teams, we're going to do it. And especially early in the season where we can't get on our field. But then the challenge is after you do that, you come back to practice inside the gym again. And it's just, it's a fundamental thing. I mean, it's really, you know, concentrating on, you know, your footwork for fielding a ground ball and fly balls and all that kind of stuff. So that's the challenge to go from being outside and being in the sun and warmer weather to come back up here where there's snow and having to practice in the gym again. Well, coach, tell us about your 2021 team. What are you looking forward to this year? Anybody on the schedule you're looking forward to? And then talk a little bit about your roster. 
Uh, right now, I this is a, a team that I'm re- I've been looking forward to. Uh, we've got a solid lineup. Uh, we've got four or five seniors, uh, four so- four juniors, and uh, we don't have any sophomores. And then we'll end up having about five six freshmen. And uh, our junior class, they uh, they're athletes. I mean, those kids are three sport athletes. They're football players. They're basketball players. And the majority of those kids have been starting on the varsity football team as a, a freshman. They started on the varsity basketball team as a freshman and they started on the varsity baseball team as a freshman. So now they didn't have a baseball season last year, but you know, coming into this year, people look at our, our roster with the amount of underclassmen we have, and they're going to say it's a young team, but I actually think we're an older team varsity wise, just because of all the experience that our kids have had uh, as far as varsity sports in general. And that's the thing with the division four school. I mean, you're so small that your kids have to play for it, have to play three sports, sometimes four sports. And, um, you know, all get along with the basketball coach and football coach. And actually it's the same guy. And he's one of my assistants. And, you know, I try to help him out when he needs help with football or uh, basketball. And, you know, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to just get the guys back together again and uh, trying to make a run to get back down to Michigan State again. Coach, can you take us through your uh, your region up there, like your area? Who's kind of the? I, I can look at a map and see Rudyard is in the eastern part of the the Upper Peninsula, like kind of straight up off the bridge. So, who in that general vicinity, like, are the perennially strong teams? Like, are the the teams that are making runs deep, maybe towards East Lansing at the end of the year? It, right now, um, it, it's Inman Lakes and Gaylord St. Mary's. That's who we have to go through to be able to get down to Michigan State. And, you know, they, Inland Lakes is a team that, man, have they improved in the past five, six years. They have just, they came out of nowhere. And then Josh View is their coach, and he has just built a, a program that, I mean, they're strong. Every year now, they're strong. And then Gaylord St. Mary's, they've been in the, the state semifinals for the past four or five years, I think it is. And, you know, great coaches there and great players. And actually, we have both those teams on our schedule this year. So looking forward to meeting them. But, yeah, it's, it's those two teams. It's Inland Lakes and Gaylord St. Mary's right now. Coach, I know you've been uh, putting together this walk to uh, East Lansing. So talk a little bit about that and uh, what you're trying to accomplish with that and what you have accomplished. Oh, oh man. So uh, actually, the, the fundraiser idea came up uh, I was out ice fishing with one of my buddies and I just said, you know, we're looking for a fundraiser because we usually do an indoor cornhole tournament and with COVID and everything, it's just, it's not going to happen. So I got to find another way to make money. I said, I've been running a little bit, you know, trying to get in shape. And I said, what if I ran the distance it took to get from our baseball field down to McLean stadium in East Lansing? And he looked at me and he said, that's a great idea. And I'm like, I didn't want you to say that. I didn't want to have to run 265 miles, <laughs> but you know, so, so Mike's like, he's like, yeah, it's a great idea. So I just, I put it out there just hoping to make a little bit of money. And, uh, it's actually been pretty cool. The, uh, the amount of support from uh, the town itself. And then like the people I know and my former coaches and everything, um, that have moved away from the area, helping to support, so basically what it is, is I'm, it takes 265 miles to get from our baseball field to McLean stadium, you know, and that's our goal is to make it down there. So I challenged to say, I'm going to run 265 miles from January 1st to March 15th. And we're supposed to start. And it 
started out at average about three and a half miles a day, and I've got it down to averaging about three miles a day, where I'll run about two and a half, three miles in the morning, and then after school, I go out and run about two miles again in the nice cold weather. But, uh, you know, we're just taking donations for it, trying to raise some money for our program in a unique way, and it uh, seems to be a, a pretty big hit right now. That's fantastic. Uh, Coach, I know you're very active with the uh, ABCA and the MHSBCA and the the various kind of coaches coalitions of of high school baseball coaches throughout the country. Can you kind of speak on the benefits of those things for coaches who maybe aren't members that are maybe thinking of joining? I think someone as active in them as you would be a a great uh, source for those guys. Yeah, um, I hear it all the time, like, if you think you know it all, you don't. I mean, it's all about, it, it's just, I'm a teacher too. And it's the same thing. You're always trying to, to learn the new thing to try to get better. And the amount of information in, all, in the past year now that the Michigan High School Baseball Coach Association and the ABCA has put out is unreal. I mean, it, it's, it's been almost like a year-long uh, conference or clinic for coaches if you really want to learn and get better. And I think that's the big thing about these joining an association and, and trying to get involved in it is the fact that you meet people and baseball coaches, you know, baseball coaches, I'll share everything with you, but my science. So, I mean, and that's what you get from the associations is you get that close knit group of guys where you're sharing things and bouncing ideas off each other. And, you know, you, the ABCA has all those videos and you're, you're learning from college coaches or high school coaches like Butch Chaffin. And, you know, you make connections with those guys on Twitter. And um, it's just the connections that I've made and the learning that I've, that I've made in the past year, just with those two associations is unreal. I mean, it's amazing. I, we have a, like a little playbook that, that I make that has all of our stuff in it from our philosophy and offense and defense to, you know, this is how we're going to take leads, whatever. And I have totally revamped that thing in the past year. Mm. Just because of pick, picking up little things, you know, bits and pieces off of a, a, a podcast from Sheets or, you know, one of your podcasts or, um, you know, watching a video that, you know, from the virtual clinic from the High School Baseball Coach Association, you know, it's just, it's all about trying to learn and grow and get better. You know, if we expect our, our players to do that, I think we as coaches need to do that too. So I've, I've taken that on and try to do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think you're exactly right. And I think any, any coach who wants to continue to, you know, get better in any way, uh, I think can agree with you that all these resources we have, especially nowadays, especially with technology and how at the click of a finger, you can watch all those coaches you just mentioned. It's just, it's awesome. And it's something that if you don't take advantage of it, uh, you should certainly should. So, Billy, we really appreciate you coming on. Can you let the listeners know where to find you on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Coach, and then there's the underscore Mitchell. And uh, we also have a um, Twitter account for our baseball team. That's at Red Yard Baseball. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, Billy. Hey, no problem. It was fun trying to get everybody to realize that there's actually baseball up here in the UP. Everybody thinks hockey, but... I keep saying we've had more uh, players from the Eastern Upper Peninsula go play college baseball than have played college hockey. So, Well, we're going to make sure and help spread the word of that, Coach. We're going to do our best. Perfect. 
<laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate you. Guys, I mentioned to you once before this episode, I'm here to mention them again. It is Great Lakes Bat Company. I can personally recommend and vouch for Great Lakes Bat Company. They are phenomenal people with quality products and the top tier customer service and support. I've never had such an easy time communicating with a company within baseball with my man, Aaron. Uh, They've got wood bats, uniforms. They've had uniforms worn by top JUCO programs, travel organizations, and high school programs. They have fan wear, gloves, batting gloves. They do custom bat fitting, and they are constantly growing and evolving. Whether you're a professional baseball player, a college baseball player, a high school baseball player, a parent of one of those players, or even a coach of any level of any team, Great Lakes Bat Company has you covered, whether it's uniforms, bats, batting gloves, and everything in between. I personally would recommend Great Lakes Bat Company for all of your baseball needs. Be sure to check them out online at greatlakesbatco.com. Once again, that's greatlakesbatco.com. Welcome into a special segment of Cold Weather Bats. This is our first coaching Q&A. We've had a bunch of interest in the JUCO stuff that we've done already. Obviously, in previous episodes, we had Lansing CC head coach Jordan Kerr on. We've had JUCO players on. We've had guys who were at NCAA schools on who started at the JUCO level. There's been some interest in it, but we've never really broken it down from the perspective of the process of it, from the perspective of like, why is it potentially better for my son or, you know, whoever uh, from a parent perspective? And that was something that was brought to our attention in, in Twitter DMs is, Uh, We've had some people asking like, hey, I have a bunch of questions about junior college baseball. How should I potentially, you know, understand that? Can you guys answer those questions for me? And so with that in mind, we decided to turn to somebody who's way smarter about it than both of us combined. And with that, we are going to welcome in my colleague at Perfect Game, Britt Smith, who runs all of our stuff in Texas as far as tournaments go and in Oklahoma. And has a, a long storied, successful JUCO coaching career. So Britt, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for coming on. Thanks guys. Glad to be here. Uh, and hopefully I can, I can help you out. <laughs> I don't think there's any question that you will. Um, real quick, before we get to questions, can you just kind of give us your background? Give us like uh, what got you into coaching, what your, uh, your coaching story was versus to, to today. I went, uh, well, I, I graduated, uh, and finished at West Texas A&M and immediately, uh, started on my, uh, master's degree, got a GA job, lined that up as I was a senior and, uh, was fortunate enough to come on board with a, with a great established coaching staff. Um, that gave me a lot of responsibility, you know, at a very young age, like I literally walked the stage on saturday and was on the road sunday morning uh heading off to the matter of fact to the junior college regional tournament uh, to do some recruiting so i uh, got my feet wet there stayed at west texas a&m for for two years and finished my master's degree uh got a job at lubbock christian which was naia at the time and uh you know a top 10 program in the country was really fortunate stayed there one year and uh and then went to uh, Texas Tech for two, and then uh, went to uh, Howard Junior College or Howard College, and uh, was there for fifteen. And ten of those, I was the athletic director as well. So, um, 
little bit of experience at every level. And, uh, you know, and it was, uh, it certainly helped me, uh, as a coach, it helped me because I had the perspective of this is what happens at every level. This is the process at every level and allow me to understand the rules at every level and, and really how everything works. And I think it was really beneficial to me, um, from an educational standpoint to be able to educate parents and players through the process, uh, when they, when they would come to visit us at Howard, um, because I could let them know this is what's going to happen at every level. This is how it happens. And, and, uh, this is what you should expect. These are the questions you should ask. Um, and this is what you should be looking for. Coach, we will get right into the question here that probably rises quite a bit for you as a coach, uh, at the JUCO level, can you talk about the the affordability of a JUCO versus that of even a partial scholarship to a four year university, and uh, just explain that to our listeners? Well, it's there's no question. Junior college has risen in cost uh, along with everything else, uh, but there's no question the financial impact of a junior college with or without scholarship is going to be less. Than, than the cost of a four-year university. Uh, it, I mean, those costs really just aren't even comparable. Even when you're talking uh, state school to state school uh, or even a state four-year to a private uh, junior college, which there are those, there's, there's not a ton of them. Private schools are basically tuition-driven. Um, so every, their funding comes from the tuition they have the ability to cut deals and, and decide who gets money and makes, you know, and how they want to allocate that, that money. But it is tuition driven at, at the, uh, the bottom line for any private institution is their funding is basically off tuition. Um, where you look at a state school, when you look at a junior college, they have the ability um, to give more flexible packages uh, what you run into, uh, and I, and I, it's tough to just really take one direction with this, but when you get to the NJCAA, there's more money available to students. The problem is it's limited as to who can actually get the money. Um, so in, uh, in junior college, you can have 24 players that are on any type of athletic aid, athletic or academic aid. They have to be on a letter of intent um, to receive any any money from the institution. Now that letter of intent, they're allowed to have 24 players on a letter of intent. Some schools will have 24 full scholarships. Some schools will operate, you know, with 12. But no matter what the money is, only 24 players can be on money legally. And so, when you get to the situation where you're talking money the obvious cost of junior college is going to be less than the four-year institution. And so even a partial scholarship at a junior college or no money at a junior college, and you're still on a vote, you can still be on the letter of intent to no money because they're trying to keep the player from signing elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, just because the letter of intent is the big deal in junior college, that, that, that shows that the school is committed to the player. When you get to the four-year level, the cost is just so much more. Um, you take state schools, and I'll use Texas for an example, because uh, I have a, a senior daughter that's about to go to Texas Tech, and 
the the one year cost is you know twenty five thousand dollars a year to go to school. Um, where if you look at a junior college, you go to junior college on no academic aid for two years, and you're not going to pay twenty five thousand. It's just not going to happen, and that's going to include everything. Um, you know, so it's the cost of a four year school is going to far outweigh no matter what type of scholarship you're on. And because the people that are asking these questions, they're not going to be on 80% at a division one, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's not the crowd we're, we're kind of talking to, but it's uh, it's a situation where junior college is by far the most affordable option. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the big thing with junior college is, and parents of that are of my age that have kids that are starting to head to college, if they're if they're not familiar with the junior college process and athletics and how it works, they think of well, when they were kids, they wouldn't go to junior college because that's just where dumb kids went. Mm-hmm. You know, kids that couldn't couldn't get into school and that. And junior college baseball is its own entity. It's uh, and it has been forever. Junior college baseball is the is the only place where the kid keeps his draft eligibility every year. It actually gives that player more options from a professional standpoint. And when the, when the draft and follow rule was eliminated, I, I want to say it was around 2007, uh, somewhere in that area. It might've been a couple of years before that, but when the draft and follow was taken out of junior college baseball by major league baseball, basically where they would draft a player and they would have his rights all the way up until the next draft. So they would send players to junior college so they could evaluate them for a year and still have their, their draft, the ability to draft them, have their rights all the way up until, you know, the next draft. So they could watch them play a college level schedule for another year, still have their rights and then sign them when that season was over, even before the draft took place. Mm -hmm. And so once that was eliminated, the options of professional baseball, more kids started going to four-year schools and just, and just go ahead and taking that option. Um, but it does not mean that players with professional interest are still not highly involved in junior college baseball because mm-hmm. they are. Speak to, uh, if you don't mind, I think after finances, I think the second thing that comes up is like, well, what's the competition level? Like, wouldn't it be better for me to just go to a four-year school and inner squad or whatever? Like, I'll be playing against college baseball players. Like, we hear so, we hear stuff like that a lot as far as speaking to the com- competition level of JUCO. So, being that I know what you're going to say, I would love for you to say it to the listeners. Yeah, we... Uh yeah, you know, I'll use I'll use our school as an example. Now we yes, were, please. <laughs> we were one. Of, yeah, we were one of the top. I mean, at, at one point or another, in the last ten years I was there, we were ranked number one in the country at one point or another. Um, and and obviously, when you get when you're talking Texas uh, and Florida and places like that, you're you're talking a, a very high caliber player. Um, the difference is, is you may not have the depth um, that you're going to see at the division one level, but you're going to see the same players. You're going to see that same caliber of player. You're just not going to see the depth of it. So the frontline national contending junior college type of program is going to be littered with professional and division one players. 
And I mean, in a common year, we may have, you know, a dozen to an ups of 18 guys signed to go division one off our team. Um, and that doesn't include the kids that are going to get drafted as well. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, you're seeing those same players. What you're not seeing is that same player two positions deep. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a high level junior college, you may have eight frontline division one arms on your team. Well, if you go to take Ole Miss or Mississippi state or somebody like that, well, they may have a dozen of those guys. They may have 13 of those guys, you know, that, so the difference, the overall talent difference, there's not a gap. Um, but the depth of talent in the highly nationally competitive junior college is very similar on par with, with division one talent. And I tell this, you know, I, I give uh, recruiting and, and prep talks at our series event in Florida every year. And I, I tell this example, when we won the national championship in 09, um, we played a Tuesday, we played a Tuesday game and uh, on that night, our second baseman who was MVP of the world series and hitting our seven hole had signed to go to Texas A&M. Their recruiting coordinator came up that night and watched us play. And uh, after the game, he was, he said, you know what? He goes, you guys would finish in the top two or three in the big 12 this year. It's not even remotely close. Texas, who it was national runner-up that year uh, to LSU, he said you would have you guys would struggle with them with the depth of their pitching staff, um, but you guys could finish probably second, uh, and you would give Texas a run for their money. He said I would trade our team straight up for what you guys have on this field right now, and uh, you know, and that and for a coach to say that and admit that, but that, that may be an outlier team, you know, but we had 18 guys signed division one. We had three guys go in the top 10 rounds of the draft that year. We still had two guys that are playing in the big leagues off that team. Um, you know, and, and so when you look at the overall talent level on nationally competitive teams, that's what you're going to find. Now, there's another side to that. There are junior colleges that are not nationally competitive. There are junior colleges. There's division two junior college. There's division three junior college as well. You know, and so not every junior college is going to be like that. Every junior college is going to have good players, you know, but are they going to have a collection of players like that? Probably not. Um, you know, and, and that's, so when you do get into junior college, Picking the right junior college is extremely important, and it and it, you know, and it matters where you are in the country. There's, you know, there's plenty of schools in the north that are Wabash is always good, Iowa Western always good. Uh, you get to Arizona, you get Central Arizona schools like that that are always nationally competitive. Uh, take a Crowder or a Seminole or you know places like that in the Midwest, and and obviously in Texas, you know, there's there's 40 junior colleges in Texas and there's 10 of them every year, you know, they could probably go win a national championship and there's 20 in Florida and probably 10 of those guys could probably go win a national championship. And so it's, it's uh, junior college is extremely competitive. 
it, but it does depend which junior college you're trying to attend. And the one thing that I always tell people as well is just because it says junior college, don't think you're just going to roll in there and play mm-hmm. just because you didn't go to division one. Cause there's plenty of kids that transfer into division ones to some of these schools that can't play at the junior college, you know? So it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it really, you have to do your homework. You have to understand what level you play at and, and what level the junior college you're trying to go to plays at, you know, because it's, uh, the, the, here, here's the biggest thing for junior college is the ability to go in and play that that's, I mean, that's the, the biggest part, the, the biggest advantage to junior college over any four year school at any level is you have basically unlimited practice time you have the ability to play a fall schedule and a spring schedule. And so the player that comes to, for example, comes to Howard out of high school is going to get between inner squads and scrimmages and games and off campus games in the fall and the spring, they're going to get 400 to 450 at bats in, in one year. Well, you go and sit on a bench at a D one and say, well, it's going to be better for me to inner squad because those inner squads, believe me, I've been there. Those inner squads, they're limited on practice time. And that includes inner squads. And so if you think you're going to come close to getting that many at bats in inner squad and game action, sitting the bench at a division one as a freshman, you're crazy. So coach, <laughs> uh, I think that last part just got me a little bit. Uh, so uh, let's say theoretically, I'm a, I'm a recruit prospective student athlete, however you want to say it. And I am just simply completely ignorant to the process of how I can get involved with uh, JUCO recruiting. Uh, how can I, as a player parent, begin that process with a junior college? Uh, and how is that process different than to a four-year? To me, the process is no different at all. Because for me, when I was, you know, because I didn't, I didn't start off in junior college and work my way up to division one as a coach. So I took my, our recruiting philosophy from the division one level and just brought it down to junior college. So it was the same thing. I mean, coaches get contacted. I mean, you know, there's this dream in every kid's head that, Oh, I'll just send them an email and they'll read it and they'll contact me back. Next thing you know, I'll be on scholarship and playing every day. And that's, that's not how it works. I mean, junior colleges recruit too, and it doesn't matter what level you're at. They're obviously they are targeting players that they think can come in and help them. And just like, uh, just like the division one has to manage, can I get this player to campus or am I going to lose him to the draft? Well, that happens in junior college too. Am I going to get this player to campus or am I going to sign him and then end up losing him in the draft? You know, and, and so that's an issue that the, the difference is with that junior college for me to sign him, I have to put him on a letter of intent. He, I can't let him out of that letter of intent until he's actually drafted or he actually signs at a four-year school. And that's the only time I can get him out of that letter of intent. Some kids will sign at a four-year school and a junior college and play both worlds. What is the best for me? So if it comes to the draft and, and I get drafted fairly high and don't want to give up my draft rights for three years, well, then I'm going to go to the junior college. Well, it puts the junior college coach in a tough situation 
because he can only sign 24 kids. The Division One, they they can they can get as many guys as they want and then ship them off to junior college if if you know they don't fit their plans, and, and that happens. But in 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 JCAA, you have to have that kid on a letter of intent to basically hold on to him, and you can't let him out of that letter of intent unless he goes to a four year school or a or he signs professionally, and you're not going to know that until it's too late to replace him. So, so at the junior college level, we're working on the same kind of mindset. At least, at least I was. I was working on the same mindset. I need to be able to sign kids that I can get to campus that can really contribute and can really play. Um, and so when I get that email, you know, and, and it's the kid that I'm not familiar with, well, the first thing I did was I'd pull up the PG database and I'd go search them out. Shameless plug right there, but that's what I did, uh, you know, and, and find out everything I could. And then if he's from an area that I don't know, I'm going to call the professional scouts in that area. Hey, do you, have you seen this kid? Do you know this guy? You know, is he a guy that, you know, because those guys are going to be able to come can, can he come down and play, you know, for me, is he a guy that we need to pursue? You know, and if they tell us, you know, no, he, he's probably not going to play at your level. Okay. Well, that's what I needed to know, you know? And so every email I got, you know, you gotta, you just have to do your due diligence, just like you do at a division one school and, and determine. So now with that background to get to your answer, you initiate that the same way. The difference is the junior college coach can pick up the phone and talk to you. Uh, and I would recommend players. I mean, players i always if a player called me i'd always have uh a little more interest because it actually meant enough that they would get on the phone and call me it doesn't mean that i got to answer every call but if they called me and showed interest as opposed to just sending an email because i can't tell you how many emails you get with the wrong coach's name or this or that because they don't take the time you know it's always been my dream to play at school x when that's not the email you're sending the school to that, 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 that really doesn't hit very well <laughs> to the coaches. You might get a lot of, might get a lot of deletes on that one, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's a situation. If, if you really want to play somewhere, reach out and contact that school, send them, Hey, this is me. This is what I am, but that it could care less about your stats, but, just, but they want to know, Hey, this is my, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, 18 years old, um, six, one, I'm 195 pounds. I play shortstop. I also pitch a little bit, you know, and, but, and, and let them know, don't try to overinflate it. Just tell them who you are. These are my test scores. These are my grades. This is what I plan to major in. I'm looking for a school to develop and transfer out and, you know, and, and move on to the four-year level. Um, you know, and, and, here's a copy of my high school schedule. I would love for you to be able to come out and see me play. Please contact me if you have any questions and I'll follow up with you in a couple of weeks. Um, a lot of coaches don't have the difference is at, at the junior college level, your coach is probably also your groundskeeper. He's also probably got another duty on campus. Like for me, I was the athletic director. So I was tied up with a lot of stuff. So it was, they, they don't have the baseball ops guy that's sitting, sorting through all the emails. These are the guys we need to contact and, you know, and they got a guy, 
all the coaching staff at a junior college are having to do that themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, sometimes they don't get back to you immediately, but for the most part, if they have interest in you, they're going to definitely get back with you. And sometimes, like I said, it may take a few days. It may take up to a week for them to track down information on you, um, you know, to see if, if you're the guy they need to follow up with. I tried to follow up with almost every single email that, you know, that wasn't a form letter misaddressed or something like that. Uh, you know, it, just for the simple fact, cause you never know who's going to contact you. I, I mean, and, and uh, to be able to follow up and know that there's kids with an interest in coming to your school, you know, and, and, and I would tell you this too, as, as a parent or a player that's looking to find a school, do your research on the school first. Because just because a program like Howard, you know, we're nationally ranked, we're nationally competitive, always in the hunt, you know, to win a national championship every year. But we're also, I mean, Howard's located in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of the desert in West Texas. And, you know, and if you look to the West from Howard, you can see all the way to San Diego. It's flat. There's nothing in the, you know, there's nothing in the way. I mean, it is there's no trees. There's, you get about two inches of rain a year. It's Phoenix without the, without being in Arizona, you you know? And so it's, uh, it's, it's just a totally different situation. You need to know where you're going to school or where you're trying to go to school. And you need to know if you're going to be able to survive there or not. And, and then you need to plan on anywhere you're going. You need to take a visit before you commit, no matter what the money is. Because the worst thing you can do is get somewhere and, and, and not be satisfied with the decision you've made. And to the point you made, uh, Smitty, about uh, high school guys sending out their schedules, in this specific example of the micro that is this spring, NCAA Division One coaches are still on a dead period, which has been extended to, what, March 31st? Or is it April 31st? Whatever. At the very least, they're on a dead period for another couple months, and it may go beyond that. We don't know. Junior college coaches are not. So junior college coaches can come see you this spring. If you're a 2021 grad who's – and we're talking obviously specific to the state of Michigan. If you're a 2021 grad who's uncommitted and you're looking for a place to play and you do your research like Britt said and and you send out your schedules, the junior college coaches can come see you. The D1 coaches, we're not we're not so sure yet. And and with Michigan, we we may not start playing games until after the dead period expires if they end up letting that expire, blah, 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 blah. But right now, what we're talking about is that that's the reality. They can come watch you. The D1 coaches can't. So that's a, that's something to keep in mind, too. Um, Britt, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Really insightful. I, I think you answered all the questions that we had. Um, excellent. You know, like very eloquent and concise. Uh, so just wanted to say thank you for coming on again, man. We really appreciate it. Anytime guys, glad to help. I'm, and I'll tell you this too. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of junior college. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, I, cause I played at every level and coached at every level. And, and I'll, as far as players getting better, there is no better place for a kid to go and develop and get reps and improve uh, than junior college just for the flat out opportunity to play the game as opposed to sitting, you know, and waiting your turn for two or three years, you can go get, you know, in two years, you can go get 400 to 800 at bats, depending on the type of player you are as a position guy, or go throw 60 to 120 innings, you know, and then go into that 
for your situation as a proven commodity where you're not trying to prove yourself and work your way into a lineup. Definitely. I'm with you, man. You know, I'm with you. We're both big Juco fans. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some, some insight. Uh, A lot of listeners that we had and some parents we had had some questions and any way we can help out. That's what we're here for. You guys are doing a good job. Keep it up. Appreciate you, Brett. We'll see you soon, man. You bet. See you guys. Great episode there, CWB. Two two great interviews. I think we got a service from both of those guys learning about two things. I think a majority of our listeners didn't know a whole lot about, especially when it comes to baseball in the Upper Peninsula and the challenges you see. I think it was extremely interesting how he was able to name off Billy. I'm speaking about here, Coach Billy Mitchell was able to name off his roster. And I, I don't know if you noticed, there's no freshman or, or junior varsity program from the, from the way it sounds. And he's still able to, uh, to make a, a program that, that competes at a level in division four, where there are certainly are some talented teams. So really interesting from coach Mitchell there. And then of course, uh, of course, Britt Smith providing tons of perspective on junior college and really diving into the, uh, to the process there uh, for those at home that might not understand it. So altogether, extremely informal episode. Yeah, man. And, and like, I, I think it's, you can listen to us talk about like how the Juco routes perception is the, the wrong one and like how all the benefits, blah, 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 blah. But like, I do think that there is a, an element of hearing it from the guy who did it, you know, like Smitty won national championships at Howard. Like he was 63 and one, one year or whatever. He's got guys who play in the big leagues now to this day who have played in the big leagues. Uh, Tigers fans will remember Tyler Collins. Like he played for Brit at Howard college. Um, that's where he came from. It's just, uh, and that's one example, but Smitty's done it for so long and, and obviously now still in the game, but on the, uh, baseball ops side with PG, um, just, I, I don't know if we could have had a better resource there. And I'm grateful to Brit for coming on and grateful for Brit to, to give us all that information. And, and I think that it should be viewed positively, obviously from parents who are listening, anybody who might have any questions about it. It's, a it's a huge, it's a huge positive thing. Like the Juco route is like there, there really isn't a negative part of it, regardless of like what you were raised to believe. And so I'm hopeful that we can, uh, we can kind of change that perception as we go along here. Yeah. Like we said, from the jump here, any way we can inform those at home or at least, um, you know, get guests who can inform those at home and kind of segue that information. I mean, that's our goal here is to, impact the game in Michigan, grow the game in Michigan, educate those at home, not through, not through us, but through the vessels of our interviews and what have you. And, uh, you know, extremely good episode in that regard this week. Uh, with that, Brian, I think this is the time where we take everyone home. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's a, we'll just get to some housekeeping stuff. We had such lengthy and, and like chocked full interviews that Brandon and I really don't feel like you need to listen to us for a full segment. So, um, to, to round out the housekeeping stuff, I, I we'll stress again, we want to do this poll. Um, we've had a, a really good response. We probably have about 20 email addresses from coaches now. Uh, if you have, if you are a coach, if you know a coach, if you are a player and your coach, you don't think your coach is aware, have him DM us his email address, please. We want to get as much of a representative sample as we can for the sake of the, uh, cold weather bats, super poll. Um, where we're going to totally disregard the divisions and just rank 
the high school teams in the state of Michigan, uh, regardless of division, like we said. So we want to get that going in the next month, hopefully. Uh, so the more we, the more input we can get from coaches across the state, uh, the better that would be. And obviously kind of not anybody's fault. Just we're very focused in Metro Detroit right now. We don't have a lot of emails from coaches in in different parts of the state. So again, really want to, uh, to increase that so we can get a better representative sample and therefore produce a better product. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at cold weather bats. Uh, we're just going to keep talking about getting an Instagram account and never actually do that. So that's going to become a show bit, I think, is, uh, yeah, man, I think we're going to get on Instagram. And then three years from now, like, we're still not going to have the Instagram. So so we're just going to we're going to keep that as a, as a regular feature on the show is talking about it. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> you can you could follow uh, Brandon on Twitter at coach underscore P justice B justice. Pardon me. Brandon justice. Is that your name? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. I'm hopeful to, uh, to be able to talk next week, uh, with more, uh, knowledge of the, the poll coming together as far as coaches, uh, being aware and, and being involved with it. But, uh, other than that, man, I, I don't think I have too much else. Do you? I'm all set. I'm all set. You can, uh, like you said, all of our all of our account information is out there. Be sure to follow along. And as we continue to reiterate each week, the more coaches we get involved in the Super Bowl, the more diverse and I think in the end accurate that poll becomes. And we're excited to roll that out and uh, hopefully continue to grow it. And we have a very, very special guest for next week that we're going to tease right now on the show. We have a very special guest next week. One I'm really excited about that I'm really excited that we got um yeah we're not gonna say his name we're gonna we're gonna be good radio hosts and tease it to make you listen to the next half hour however doug karsh does it on 97.1 um but yeah looking forward to announcing that later this week a very cool guest for next week episode nine uh thank you for listening and have a good week michigan